There are stories about what happened. It's true. and welcome to season two of the Star Wars Canon Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Miller, and I'm so glad that you've decided to join me to talk about our favorite thing in the world, yet again, Star Wars. And guys, this, like I said, this is the beginning of season two. This is a huge episode. We've got so much stuff to talk about. This is insane. When I ended season one with the comic uh, review, or the comic ranking video, I told everybody that season two was going to be picking up on August 31st. And I wasn't thinking, and I wasn't even paying attention to what the D23 dates were, and it happened to be last weekend. Little did I know that the first episode coming back was going to be everything that Disney put out for Star Wars during D23. So here we are with this monster episode to talk about. So, uh, like I said, I've got a lot to go through. Uh, i got a galactic amount of news to talk about. i got a couple of book reviews for you guys. We're going to be talking about Master and Apprentice and uh, Alphabet Squadron. Uh, talking about some Disney Plus shows, which I'm very excited about. Uh, answering some of your mailbag questions. And then, before we get to the mailbag questions, I have a theory about the rise of Skywalker. I haven't seen anybody else talk about it, but I want to get your guys' opinion on this. Put it out there, kind of see if you guys think I'm nuts, think I'm crazy, maybe I'm onto something. I don't know. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Uh, but before we get into all of that, uh, there's a couple things I wanted to let you guys know. At the end of Season 1... I did put out the announcement that I was working on a mobile app for the Star Wars Canon podcast. My plan, my original plan, was to have that app released concurrently with this episode of the Star Wars Canon podcast. That didn't happen. I didn't have a whole lot of time to work on it. It is coming along very nicely. It is looking great so far. But it just isn't happening at this moment. My goal is to have it out by the end of this year. So... Keep an eye out for that. That app is going to have a link to this podcast, the RSS feed for it. You'll be able to listen to it directly on the app. Uh, the YouTube channel, you'll have access to the entire library of, of Star Wars Canon Podcast YouTube videos, uh, timeline to all of the uh, Canon material so far, uh, cover art for everything, and links where you can purchase all of this Canon, where you can find it all. So uh, I'm hoping to have that out by the end of this year. That's the goal. I'll keep you guys updated. Actually, the patrons have got access to the rough draft. I put the link on there where they can keep clicking on it and keep checking and seeing updates that I've done to it. And you can kind of get a feel for what it looks like so far and how to use it and how, everything like that. So head on over to the Patreon for Star Wars Canon Podcast. Check it out if you guys are interested. So, uh, And then also, before we get into the Star Wars news, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about. And this is something that is not Star Wars related, and I apologize for that. But this is something that's very near and dear to my heart, uh, and it's something that I really wanted to talk about for a minute. Uh, as most of you know, uh, I am a veteran. I'm, I'm, I, I was in the military and there's, uh, a, uh, I should say an issue with, uh, veterans that is, is, that means a lot to me and that's veteran suicide. Uh, it's something that means a lot to me. It hits pretty close to home for me. Uh, on average, 22 veterans a day decide to end everything instead of fighting the good fight. 
Uh, I've lost a couple of, of my battle buddies that I've made over the years uh, to veteran suicide. One of them pretty recently, actually. He, uh, I, I, his wife texted me and, and told me that he had hung himself. Uh, so this, this hits very, very close to home for me. Uh, there is a company called Till Valhalla Project. It's headed by a veteran. What he does is he creates uh, bracelets, necklaces, uh, dog tags, keychains, t-shirts, ball caps, stuff like that. Uh, encouraging veterans to not give in. Matter of fact, I, I purchased one of the bracelets uh, here. It says, uh, do not give in to the war within. Uh, I haven't taken it off since the day I got it. And I love this bracelet. It's great. Uh, but he takes all the proceeds from everything he sells and he puts it towards making memorials for veterans and towards raising awareness for veteran suicide. Uh, and that's a mission that I've decided to get behind. It's something that, like I said, means a lot to me. Uh, and, and if you're interested in checking out some of their stuff, maybe you want to purchase something, maybe you just want to give some support, I'll put all the links to the website, and the Facebook, everything like that in the uh, description of this podcast, of this video. You can head over there and check out all of that. It would really mean a lot to me. All right, let's get into some Star Wars news. I know that's what you guys came for. That's what we're going to talk about. The first thing I want to talk about this week on this episode is something that really took me by surprise. I didn't see this headline coming at all. Uh... The Star Wars titled comic from Marvel is ending at issue 75 at the end of this story arc that they're on right now. I, I'm i kind of surprised that they're ending it at 75. I thought we'd at least get to maybe 100 before we actually hit Empire Strikes Back. Apparently that's not the plan. But at the same time, I'm not surprised just because of the way the comic has kind of been received throughout the years. This comic's going on, what, five years old at this point? They've been running this for almost five years. January, I think, will be five years. 75 issues, that's a hell of a run, you know? I mean, that's all, that's what, all three Vader runs so far? I mean, well, both Vader runs and then, I don't remember what the other one was, but they got 25. Uh, but anyway, that's that's a hell of a run for Star Wars. And, you know, I really thought we would really see some stuff leading up to Empire Strikes Back. And the only thing we've seen so far is Hoth got name dropped and I think uh, General Riken got name draw. I, actually, he's in the comic at this point. But I'm kind of bummed because anybody who's watched for a while knows that there's one thing that I've been wanting to see in the Star Wars comic, and it has not happened, and apparently it's not going to unless by some miracle Han and Leia get off the planet they're on and go to Ord Mendel. And you guys already know what story I'm talking about if you've watched. I want to know the story of Han running into the bounty hunter on Ord Mendel that made him change his mind about the Rebellion that we hear about on Hoth and Empire Strikes Back when he and Leia are arguing in the hallway. I really thought that was going to happen in this in this comic. Maybe it's going to at some point. We don't know for a fact that they're ending this comic just because it's getting up to Empire Strikes Back. They could come out a year from now and say, hey, this is issue 76, and this is the story of how they found Hoth, right? It could happen. We don't know that it's ending because it's getting up to Empire Strikes Back. But that's an opportunity I feel like they're missing. And I don't, and it, you can't help but wonder if that is exactly why they're ending this series. is because we're getting up to Empire. Uh, yes, this, this comic run has had its ups and downs. It's had some story arcs I didn't give two shits about. It's had some really good story arcs. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's been up and down. But how do you end the self, like the main Star Wars title of comics? How do you end that? I mean, there's... There's got to be a reason behind it, right? Especially considering that, and like, I think this 
uh, story arc and the one before it, they switched out all the writers and artists. So it's really had kind of a different feel to it. It's actually been on an upward trajectory for me. This comic is getting great. It feels like Star Wars. Like I can actually picture a live-action version of the story going in my head while I'm reading it. I couldn't do that before they switched everything up. So it's, so it's, it's on an upward trajectory for me. I don't know why they would be ending it unless they have something big planned. Because we do have, you know, we've got an issue, uh, I think it's like a five-issue run of Jedi Fallen Order coming out, a prelude to the game. We've got the comic series coming out that's a prelude to The Rise of Skywalker. We've got uh, The Fall of Kylo Ren, which is a comic series that's coming out. There's going to be a lot of other comic series coming. Maybe they're just pumping the brakes on Star Wars for a while, and they're going to pick it up again later once the dust settles from uh, Rise of Skywalker. I don't know. That's just kind of my theory, but... It really sucks that they're going to be ending it at issue 75, man. I, I really thought that was going to be going for quite a while. I was wrong. So uh, Star Wars is ending at issue number 75. Love it or hate it, man, that's the way it's going. Let me Guys, guys let me know in the comment section below uh, or in the comment section of this podcast, wherever you're listening to it. Let me know what you guys think of the comic ending. Did you love the comic? Did you hate it? Keep everything civil. That's all I'm going to say about comments just don't argue debates fine just don't argue about it because i know the fan base is pretty much split between the comic you know with the comics and the films and the books some people love them some people hate them whatever just keep it civil right so let me know what you guys think about this comic ending man it's a bummer for me next on the docket i've got something that i'm extremely excited about this is something to kind of balance out the fact that the star wars comic is ending this is one of the coolest things I think I've ever been able to talk about on this podcast. Uh, and that is the trailer for The Mandalorian has finally dropped for public consumption. Man, this thing... I remember when Celebration rolled out the footage for everybody that was there. The hand, you know, the, the I think it was like seven minutes of the first episode or something like that. And the trailer. The hand cam footage, the pirated version of it, got online, right? I mean, I even did a reaction video to it on this channel. And from what I could see, yeah, it was really, really bad quality with it being a hand cam. But from what I could see, this thing looks phenomenal. This thing looks absolutely great. And then now seeing the trailer in high def, I am so excited for this movie or for this this series that this is, uh, aside from the Obi-Wan thing, which we'll talk about next, this series this trailer this is the best thing to come out of lucasfilm so far since in the disney era this is the best looking thing they've come out with so far just in my opinion this thing from the ridiculous amount of practical effects they use in the show you know and, and the, the the two examples i like to call back to are the hand cam footage from celebration where we saw the quaking monkey lizards in the cage watching the other quaking monkey lizard being roasted on a spit. Jesus, that that was straight out of Return of the Jedi. The eyeball droid that popped out of the door, straight out of Return of the Jedi. This show is the heir apparent to what Star Wars should have been now. It should have been in 2015. This is what the sequel trilogy should have looked like. The fact that they're using models for the ships, camera passes on these models, the same way they filmed a lot of the classic trilogy stuff, is being used in this show. And it shows. You can see that in, in the in the camera footage from the ships being, you know, the ships firing on each other, from the IG-11 droid that's, you know, pulling off 360 no-scopes. Like, it's, th- this show is 
just screaming classic trilogy. And it's going to be a love letter to all the fans out there who have been fans of the classic trilogy their entire life. And that's what they want. That's what they love. That's what I grew up with was the classic trilogy. I grew up in the era of the prequels, but I grew up with the classic trilogy first. And to me, that's Star Wars. From what I've seen so far of this show, I'm so excited about this show. And there's something else about this that I think we need to take away from this. And and maybe you guys, I'm sure a lot of you guys have, have realized this. Most of the TV shows that Disney's put out so far, whether it be Rebels, Resistance, maybe Clone Wars to a degree, depending on what episode you're watching, a lot of it's been geared more towards children. It's, you know, that, that was the biggest problem with Resistance, I think, was it was geared more towards children. People wanted a more adult story. They wanted you know, a more adult style of animation instead of that, like, weird 2D, 3D stuff we got. Uh, and, and Rebels, it had its darker tones for the adults in it, too. Rebels is a great show, but you have to admit it was geared more towards children. This, on the other hand, is an entirely different beast. This looks like it's made for the people that grew up with the classic trilogy. It's made by the people that grew up with the classic trilogy. It's John Favreau, Dave Filoni. These people grew up with the classics. They know that if they're making something for the adult generation, the adult generation was there for the classics. That's what made them fall in love with Star Wars in the first place. Let's make a story for the adults, by the adults, that is everything that the adults are going to want in Star Wars. And I think that's exactly what they're doing. This thing is gorgeous, man. I cannot wait... Uh, season two has already been confirmed. This comes out on November 12th on the Disney Plus streaming service. I, I'm so over the moon about this thing. And some of the shots in it were just whether he's grappling the corn and pulling it back into that iris door and cutting the guy in half or the aliens frozen in carbonite. Are you shitting me? That is amazing. That's pure. That screams classic trilogy. Between the music and, and I mean, it's just insane the amount of love they're putting into this show. I can't wait. I'm 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 already counting down the days till November 12th to get to watch the first episode of this. And we'll talk about some of the other episodes here in a little bit when we get to the mailbag section, but I'm over the moon about this trailer. Absolutely great. The shots were beautiful. The the landscape shots were gorgeous. Seeing the ATST again come up, it's just God, man, everything about this. So, guys, let me know. I want to know what your guys' thoughts are on the Mandalorian trailer. Comment below. Let me know. This next thing I want to talk about is probably the best news to come out of Lucasfilm since the acquisition in 2012. This is... Look, we're seven years into Disney owning Lucasfilm. This is the best news to come out of it so far. Uh, D23, they finally announced officially that Ewan McGregor is returning to play Obi-Wan Kenobi again in his own TV series, uh, strictly for Disney Plus, and this is this is absolutely great news for Star Wars fans. This is what fans have been clamoring for for years now, uh, and this was one of their worst kept secrets. The rumors about this have been have been buzzing for a year and a half, something like that. the the only <laughs> The only other worst kept secret that beats this is Alden Ehrenreich being cast as Han Solo. We knew that well before that celebration where they brought him out and say, oh, there's your new Han Solo. And like, they, like nobody knew. But this is absolutely great. And the only thing I can say is it's about damn time, Lucasfilm. It's about damn time. Fans have been clamoring for this. They've been wanting this. 
this is finally happening. Ewan McGregor like he was having a great time on stage when they announced it. I think it was a missed opportunity. I think he should have come out and went, hello there. I, I really do. I think he should have. But it's, hey, every time I watch that video of him asking Kathleen, would you ask, would you ask me in front of all these people and witnesses, am I going to play Obi-Wan Kenobi again? Every time he kind of grins and nods and says, yes, I can't help but smile the biggest smile I've ever smiled. It's so awesome to know that this is actually officially happening. Uh, and the fact that they're so far into this thing already. Uh, she said all the scripts. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy has said all the scripts are written. They're filming next year. Ewan's been attached. And it's crazy. You know, so this is absolutely I over the moon about this. Uh, apparently, this is going to take place uh, during the events of Solo, a Star Wars story, during that three-year gap there where he joined the, uh, the the Empire and then when he was on Mimbin. Apparently, in between that three-year gap is where this show is supposed to take place. I don't remember how many episodes, uh, episodes they said it's going to be six or eight or something like that. Uh, but I see people online upset because... This isn't an Obi-Wan movie. It's a series. They would rather see a movie than a series. I don't get the logic behind that. If you get a movie, it's what, two hours? Maybe just over two hours? With a series, you've got eight episodes, 45 minutes each. You're looking at six hours of content. Six hours of content. That's the equivalent of, what, three movies? There's your Obi-Wan trilogy. So, I mean, granted it's going to be you know one massive story, but that's awesome. That is great. That is exactly what fans have wanted. This this alone proves, all right? I know there are people out there who hate the fact that Disney owns Lucasfilm. And, and that's fine. You're entitled to that opinion. There are people out there that hate Kathleen Kennedy saying, oh, they never listen to the fans. You're wrong. They listen to the fans. This is proof of it. If they didn't, you wouldn't be getting an Obi-Wan series. I do believe that this was meant to be a film in the first place. I do believe they were going to do an Obi-Wan film, but then after everybody had decided to boycott Solo or, you know, just wasn't interested in going to see Solo, and because of its performance, they took a step back and went, ooh, you know what? This isn't going to work. Maybe we should save this as a series for Disney+. Plus. And, that's, and it's going to work. I can already tell you this is going to work. I am looking forward to this. Between this and The Mandalorian, I'm not entirely sure which one I'm more excited about. I think at this point, I'm more excited about The Mandalorian simply because I've seen the trailer for it. I see what kind of tone it's going to have. I see the setting, and you know, I've, I've actually seen a trailer of it. I've seen some footage. I, I, I know what it's going to look like. With Obi-Wan, it's just an announcement at this point. I think once we get closer to Obi-Wan, and I think once we get through Obi-Wan, I'm probably going to end up saying, oh, I like Obi-Wan a hell of a lot better than Mandalorian. But as of now, I'm more excited for The Mandalorian. Uh, but I'm, I was trying to explain, we had a, a friend come stay with us for a couple of weeks. Uh, she just left like a week ago, but we were talking about Star Wars. She's never seen Star Wars. Matter of fact, I gave her my old DVDs to take home with her so she could, she could watch them. And, uh, the, the news broke about Ewan McGregor being Obi-Wan again. And she was asking, why is that such a big deal? And Kirsty and I explained to her, you know, well, a man named Alec Guinness played Obi-Wan in the classics and then... When they went and did the prequels, they needed a younger man to play him. They cast Ewan McGregor, and literally nobody on the planet could play him better than Ewan McGregor. 
and we started showing her kind of the comparison videos on YouTube between the two, right? The mannerisms and, and, and stuff like that. And even she was like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, no kidding. And the fact that he's coming back, this is, this is man, this is great news. So I'm so over the moon excited for this. This is great. Look, we are coming into a period of Star Wars now, right? Where we're starting to get everything we want and more. We're starting to. I mean, Benioff and Weiss, which we'll talk about here in a little bit some more, are working on a trilogy, most likely Old Republic, which is what a lot of people want. We're getting the Obi-Wan series that a lot of people have said they wanted. You look at the way The Mandalorian's being filmed, it's geared more towards classic Star Wars. This is this is starting to turn into something. This isn't this isn't the way it was in 2015 when Force Awakens came out. It feels different at this point. I don't, I don't know what it is. Maybe just the winds are changing. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But yeah, Obi-Wan is coming finally. Uh, we don't know exactly when it's going to be released yet. It's probably going to be sometime in 2021, I'm guessing. Uh, that may have already been announced. I don't know. Maybe I didn't see it if it is, but uh, I'm going to guess 2021 sometime. So uh, very, very excited about that. All right. So these next, uh, I want to say three topics. These next three topics, uh, I was going to do three separate uh, stories on them, but I think I'm going to talk about them all at once because they're all related to the rise of Skywalker. And let's just talk about Episode Nine for a little while. Uh, during D23, they released the first art poster for Episode Nine. It's a poster. Uh, that's about all I can say about it. It's it's you know people are excited about it because it shows the Emperor on it and. Uh, it's just a poster. It could be a poster of Ray kicking a puppy and I'm still going to go see the movie. It's not, it's not tempering or it's not building my excitement any more than I already am. You know, than it already is. I'm, I'm already going to go see this movie, but the poster is, I mean, it's cool. It's cool to actually see that the emperor is going to be his classic self. Right. But there's something off about the poster and I can't figure out what it is. I don't know if it, maybe it's, I don't know because some of the art posters for, you know, like the one for episode seven looked really classic. It looked like it belonged on the cover of one of the special edition cassette tapes for the classic trilogy. The one for The Last Jedi was just like the white poster with the red ray holding the lightsaber up. It was art with Luke and Kylo's faces, right? That, that was cool. Uh, and this one is along those same lines. It falls right in line with those uh other posters and like i said it's just a poster the one i'm really kind of looking forward to is the main poster for the movie because i'm going to want it to complete my poster collection but this it doesn't give anything away the only thing it gave away was that the emperor is physically going to be in the movie you know that that, i mean that you're going to see him the way you remember him from return of the jedi uh that's really the only thing that I really wanted to say about the poster, it's not that big of a deal. I'm not as enthusiastic about it as a lot of other people are. However, the only thing that does make me excited is that knowing that the poster has been released just means we're that much closer to the release of the film. So uh, I am excited about that. What we really want to talk about, though, with the with the Rise of Skywalker is this D23 special look that they released. Uh, I saw... See, okay, I was at work when this thing dropped. and And the problem nowadays right with with youtube videos is they take the biggest part of a trailer like that like the big like (gasps) moment out of it and they make that the thumbnail on every single damn video 
See, by the time you're trying to look it up to do a reaction, you already see one of the big spoilers in it. And the video and, and the image they used off of this is the ray with the double-bladed lightsaber. So, with that being said, uh, I was expecting, uh, you know, when it says the D23 special look, I was expecting like a behind-the-scenes thing, like what we got with uh, Force Awakens, with Rogue One, with Last Jedi. I was expecting like a behind-the-scenes thing, right, where some of the directors were talking, they play some cool music, show maybe a couple of scenes being filmed or something like that. This is a full-blown trailer, and somebody told me that on Messenger before I got a chance to watch it. And they're like, this is a trailer. I'm like, it's not a trailer. I, I, last week I was just telling people, the next trailer's not coming until October. I don't know why you're begging for a trailer out of D23. All right, I'm eating my words. There's a trailer. This thing was nothing shy of a trailer. And this is everything a trailer for Episode Nine should have been. You know, it showed the first half it was all scenes from the other six, seven, eight movies building up to it. I do believe, however, they should have shown the scenes in the in like chronological order, episodes one through eight, instead of four, five, six, one, two, three, seven, eight. I think they should have shown. I get what they were doing. They were going for the. This is how it's gone through our lives. We started here in '77. Now this is where we're ending up. But it would have been nice if you're ending the story to start it with episode one and then lead. Up. But anyway, I'm not going to complain about it. It was great the way they pulled it off. Uh, but. I really thought it was just going to be a Sizzler reel, and it turned out to be a trailer. Uh, you know, and it was cool hearing Palpatine's voice, hearing Ian McDermott as, as Palpatine again. 3PO with the red eyes is kind of weird. Kirsty, I showed the trailer to Kirsty for the first time, and the first thing out of her mouth was, was that 3PO? I didn't recognize him because of the red eyes. And uh, uh, I just kind of looked at her like, oh my God, I can't believe I'm marrying you. Um but then obviously Ray with the red saber, right? So going into the like the video reaction I did of that, I already knew Ray had her had her red lightsaber. But I didn't know in what context it was because the image I saw was just her with a double bladed saber. I didn't know the sucker was going to hinge down, right? Um, which isn't a new design for a lightsaber either. We saw that in Clone Wars with General Krell. I think he had two of them. I think he had a blue one and a green one. So it's not a new design. So anybody saying, "Oh, let's just come up with new designs for every movie," it's not a new design. So whatever. Um, but it, it was a good trailer. It was really good trailer. It's going to put asses in seats, which is what a trailer is meant to do. You know, and, and whether you love Last Jedi or whether you hate it, you have to admit there are people on the opposite side. If you hated it, you have to admit there's people that liked it. If you liked it, you have to admit there's people that hated it. The fan base is split, and hopefully this is something that will bring that fan base back together. I, I'm hoping to God it is. I'm hoping that episode nine comes out, and after we watch it, we go back and watch episode eight and go, oh, I don't know what it's going to do that, but I'm hoping that something along those lines comes, you know? Um, but I ask you guys, I ask you on YouTube and I ask you on Facebook, I put a poll out on each of them, uh, did you think that Ray was actually going to turn to the dark side in this movie, or is it a classic misdirection? Kind of like what we saw in... Uh, the trailer for The Last Jedi where we, you know, Ray saying, I need someone to show me my place and all this, and you see Kylo hold his hand out. Is it a misdirection like that? Or is she really going dark? I ask you guys uh, on the poll and on YouTube, uh, 92% of you said misdirection, 8% of you said Ray is actually going to go dark. 
Uh, on Facebook, on the same poll, 80% of you said misdirection. 20% of you said she is going to turn to the dark side. Uh, some of the comments uh, from a couple of you guys concerning that poll. On Facebook, there was a uh, comment from, I, and I'm, guys, you know I'm not good with names, so please forgive me if I butcher your name. Usef Wally, I think is how you pronounce it. Uh, he says, as fun as that would be to see her go dark, it's just an advertisement teasing us into endless debates. That being said, I'm undoubtedly going to debate still. Uh, YouTube user The Gong Farmer commented and said, 100% misdirection. Lucasfilm isn't going to turn their flagship character evil in the final movie. I'm completely in agreement with you. This is... Look, they've built Ray up, right? Throughout the last two movies as the hero to a bunch of little girls. Growing up, showing that you know, Disney's made it a point to focus on women of Star Wars. They've come out with books. They did the Forces of Destiny series. They've done, I mean, they've made the, the main protagonist in the last, uh, like, three out of the four films they've made female between Ray, Ray in episode seven and eight, and then Jen Erso. That they've made it a point to put female in leading roles. You're not going to take your main female character that little girls dress up as and go to Disney World. You're not going to take that character and flip her onto the dark side. You're not going to do it. You know how tragic that would be to a bunch of... You know how many little girls are going to be crying around this world if they sit there and watch Ray turn to the dark side? It's never going to happen, all right? So that was either a vision, which I'm leaning very heavily towards, uh, clone, maybe she was possessed, I don't know. It's just, it's not the Ray. So... Uh, you can disagree with me all you want, though. I, I, that's fine. I, let me know in the comments below. I want to know what you guys have to say about Ray turning to the dark side. What did you think of that wicked saber? And if you noticed, the blades on that saber had the cracked crystal the same way Kylo's saber was. So it it's probably a vision. She's probably looking in a reflection of something. I don't know. But anyway, that's, that's what you guys had to say about it. Uh, before we get off of the Rise of Skywalker train, though, I want to talk about this theory for a minute. Because this is something... Yesterday I was at work... And I was watching the D23 special look again. And I'm sitting in the grain elevator and I'm watching this thing. And a couple of shots stood out to me. And I said to myself, I've seen this before. I've seen this before. Where have I seen some of these shots before? All right. So here, I want to show you the shots that, that, uh, that stood out to me. For those of you listening on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, anything like that, I'll, I'll tell you what the shots are. The shots of all the Star Destroyers lined up. In this trailer, with the lightning storm behind them, and the shot of a giant red, almost looks like super weapon beam, crashing into a planet. Those are the shots that stood out to me. And I kept looking at them, and I kept going, I've seen this before. Where have I seen this? I know I've seen this before. I came home, and I started thinking about it, and I, I couldn't place it. And then it dawned on me. I had to go way back to 2015. I had to go back to 2015 into some canon material that came out then. And as soon as I tell you the name of the comic, you, some of you are going to go, I see where he's going with this. I went back to the Shattered Empire comic and Operation Cinder that we saw in Shattered Empire. We heard a lot about it in uh, Alphabet Squadron. We saw it in the Battlefront 2 campaign. And if you look at all these pictures and compare them, and some of these comic stills, and you look at what's going on. For those of you that don't know, Operation Cinder was the Emperor's final order and the event of his death and the fall of the Empire to wipe out rebellion, to make an example of other planets. So he had these satellites 
that would surround these planets and shoot red beams, plasma beams, at the planet and cause these massive storms to form, lightning storms, and to wipe out all the life on the planet. And that's exactly what it looks like is happening in the trailer for The Rise of Skywalker in the special look. I swear up and down that this is going to be... And, you know, we've heard rumors that the Emperor is going to have a super weapon in Episode Nine, and everybody's like, oh, God, it's going to be another Death Star. No, I, I'm convinced beyond a shadow of a doubt that it is going to be Operation Cinder. And, and you know, I was already like 90% sure. I posted the screenshots to the Facebook page for the Star Wars Canon Podcast. I think a couple of people saw it. And then I went back to look, and the post was gone. That I didn't delete it. I know that Nick Albers didn't delete it. I know Richard J. didn't delete it. It's gone. I cannot figure out what happened to that post. I've tried posting it again. It won't let me post it. It will not let me post those pictures. So I don't know what's going on. Maybe it's just some weird coincidence that those images aren't being uploaded and allowed to be seen. Or am I being stopped from putting this out there? I don't know. Maybe I'm just the, maybe the conspiracy theorist in me is going crazy. But I I swear, man, this is Operation Cinder that we're seeing in the trailer for Episode Nine. What do you guys think? Do you think I'm off my rocker? Do you think I'm onto something? Let me know in the in the comment section below. I would love to hear your guys' thoughts on that. If you think I'm crazy, tell me. If you think I'm batshit, tell me. You're not gonna hurt my feelings. All right. So just let me know what you guys think about it. All right. Uh, but that is really everything I had to talk about with the rise of Skywalker. Let's move on to something that's really going to make your blood boil. Disney has released, uh, the hotel prices. For those of you that don't know, Disney is, is, uh, releasing, I guess they're opening a hotel, a Star Wars cruiser hotel that looks like a Star Cruiser. I guess you can look out the window and see stars and planets, space battles going, stuff like that. But it's supposed to feel like a Star Wars cruiser. They've released the prices for it. And this is going to be one of those things where, you know, I defend Disney on a lot of things. There's been a couple of times I called him out and said, this is ridiculous. This is stupid ridiculous. This is completely unnecessary. Disney's put out their prices for a cabin for one person for a two to three night stay. A cabin for one person. Thirty three hundred dollars. Thirty three hundred dollars. A cabin for five for two to three nights, $7,200, $7,200, that's $1,440 a person, and no one night stays are allowed. Jesus Christ, Disney, are you kidding me? Are you fucking serious? That's ridiculous. I get it. It's, it's, I mean... It's the Star Wars experience. You're going to stay in a room that looks like the Star Wars cabin. You're going to have Star Wars clothing. And you're going to go walk around a Star Wars museum for two days. Are you shitting me? Are you? I mean, are you kidding me? It wasn't that expensive in the Star Wars galaxy for refugees to travel on that space cruiser. 60 Republic credits probably done. Are you kidding me? $3,300. If I want to get away and go to Disney World and stay in their hotel for two nights, $3,300. That is ridiculous. I mean, eventually, someday, down the road, I'm going to go do that. But Jesus Christ, Disney. You're making money. Don't worry about it. You don't have to make these prices so astronomically high. $250 for a plastic lightsaber in Sevi's workshop? You can't buy kyber crystals unless you buy a holocron? What the shit, Disney? Are you kidding me with this thing? 
it's ridiculous. This is this is absolutely ridiculous. Like I said, eventually I'm going to go stay, you know, maybe one. Well, shit, if I'm spending $3,300, I better stay three nights. Uh, this is ridiculous. This is absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, even like I'm recording this on Thursday right now. And I, I guess the Disney Disney World Park opened up like today, yesterday or today. And the lines are stupid. There's so many people going to these things. But this hotel, $3,300 for one person. Jesus Christ. I just, God. Like, the, uh, another time that I just sat here and just couldn't believe what I was reading. There was a book, and I don't remember which one it was. It was something like the Smuggler's Journal or something about the Millennium Falcon. A leather-bound version of it was going to be $99. A hundred bucks for a book. A hundred dollars for a book. Jesus Christ. Do you, I mean, do you have any idea how much money I'm already spending on keeping up with just the canon stuff alone between the comics and the novels? Just those alone? Oh my God. This is, I mean, it's ridiculous, right? So just, I wanted to throw that out there. I just wanted to let you guys know if you're going, it comes with a caveat apparently. And then the other thing that kind of went with the the whole uh, Galaxy's Edge thing I wanted to talk about also, I guess the TSA announced yesterday that the Coke bottles that look like thermal detonators are no longer allowed on airplanes. They're not allowed, they're, they're not going to pass security and you're not getting on a plane if you have one. Really? A thermal detonator is a sci-fi weapon, so you don't allow replicas of sci-fi bombs on your plane, but you'll allow a replica of, like, a lightsaber, a sci-fi weapon to be on your plane. I get it. It's an explosive. It's it's planes. I get it. I get the connection there. But it all you have to do is open the bag and pull it out and go, oh, gotcha. That's all you got to do. It's a Coke bottle. Are you shitting me? If you really want it home, well, shit, I don't even know if you can send it in the mail, to be honest. If the TSA is not allowing it, maybe you can't even send it in the mail. I don't know. How are you supposed to get these things home? Some people want to collect these things. I mean, the only way you can get one home is if you drive there, get it, and drive back. That's it. It's ridiculous. This, I mean, as much as I want to go to Galaxy's Edge, and it's my spiritual mecca, I want to go... Some of these rules are just getting out of hand. I'm sorry, but they are. But it's just the world we live in today, you know, and it sucks. Uh, I I don't know what else to say about it. But, yeah, I wanted to throw that out there about the prices and about the thermal detonator thing. So, Jesus Christ, I can't believe the world I live in. And as far as Star Wars news goes, this is the last story I really wanted to talk about. It's not even really news, but I figured I'd leave you guys on the note of a rumor. Uh, I don't like talking about rumors quite a bit. It just because, you know, most of the time they pan out to not be true. Uh, but, like, the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing ended up being true. Matter of fact, on the Facebook page, I posted the story about the about the uh, rumor about the Obi-Wan Kenobi thing, like, a week and a half ago. And I remember somebody commenting on it saying, oh, well, this isn't going to happen. Just look at the source. And then it turned out to be true. Uh, so uh, this is one of those rumors where I hope this is true. And if it is true... Disney is learning from their mistakes. The rumor right now, uh, as you guys know, Benioff and Weiss are writing uh, a treatment for a trilogy of their own, which is probably going to end up being Old Republic. I think we've all kind of come to the collective uh, conclusion that they're going to be doing Old Republic. Uh, But this rumor says that Benioff and Weiss are writing a full treatment for their trilogy, and then the first script 
you know, this is if this is true, this is the right way to go. This is what I've been saying that they should have done with the sequel trilogy for episodes seven, eight, and nine. This is ex- anybody who's been listening for a while knows I've I've said this exact thing that they should have sat down instead of JJ just writing episode seven and then Ryan Johnson writing episode eight and now JJ writing episode nine and hoping that it all blends together. They should have sat down, hammered out their entire story, the full treatment, episode seven, eight, nine, boom, 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 first act, second act, third act. Hammer it out. Each director is in charge of each of their films. They're all working together. Oh, you're going to put a nod to that in your film? Well, why don't I put a nod to this in my film? Or I'll plant seeds in my film to lead up to what you're going to be doing in your film. You know what I mean? Like, oh, he's going to be doing that in the third film? Well, then both of us, I'll plant something in the first film. You put something in the second film that builds off of what I plant that can build into what is going to happen in Act 3. This is what they should have been doing from the get-go. And this is the way to go. And if this is what they're going to be doing from now on, this should be the standard procedure for writing a Star Wars trilogy. Ryan Johnson needs to do this with his, whether you love him or hate him. He's doing his trilogy. It's still happening. This is the way he needs to go with his. This is what they should have been doing from the get-go. And and sure, I'm, I'm not, some facts or, or some events have been talked about. Uh, at least they say they have. Kathleen Kennedy said they were talking about the Emperor coming back all the way back at the beginning of Episode 7. But there wasn't like a full, blown-out story along the way. That's awesome, especially if they're doing Old Republic. Because if they're doing Old Republic this way, this is going to be insane. And, you know, with the Benioff and Weiss thing, I know a lot of people out there are like, oh, fuck Benioff and Weiss after Game of Thrones. Here's the thing. We live in a world now where apparently, if you make one mistake, you're the scum of the earth. So, Ryan Johnson, right? Let's, let's go to Ryan Johnson for, Johnson for a second. Before The Last Jedi came out, everybody, I didn't see a single negative thing. I, I saw maybe a couple of people, uh, people that said they didn't like Looper. But other than that, almost everybody was talking about how, oh my god, I can't wait to see what Ryan Johnson does with Star Wars. I'm so excited to see what he, what ideas he brings to the table. I can't wait to see... I was even saying I can't wait to see uh, uh, Hayden Christensen's Force Ghost directed by Ryan Johnson, I, even though that didn't happen. I was excited about all this, and a lot of people were. And then The Last Jedi comes out, and half the fan base liked it. Half the fan base didn't. And now all of a sudden, Ryan Johnson is the scum of the directing world. Cut to 2019, Benioff and Weiss. You know, 2018, when they announced Benioff and Weiss are doing their own trilogy. Everybody, oh my god, you went and got the Game of Thrones showrunners? You guys are doing the right thing. This is so great. This is going to be awesome. Please, God, let them be doing Old Republic. I can't wait to see this. Then the last season of Game of Thrones comes out. And a lot of people didn't like it. Now all of a sudden, Benioff and Weiss are going to fuck up Star Wars. There's, I mean, there's no winning in this, right? I mean, it's just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. Like John Favreau, right? Uh, this didn't happen, but had it happened, this this could very well could have been a what if situation. He directed the new Lion King live action, if you want to call it quote unquote live action. It was still all CG. Lion King. Had that sucked, had that dropped, had it bombed, 
then people will be looking at Mandalorian going, oh, crap, really? Even though he directed Iron Man 1, Iron Man 2, you know, like all these other, The Jungle Book, all these other great movies. You make one mistake and nobody wants you to touch Star Wars. Nobody wants your, your, wants your hands on Star Wars. God forbid the characters that we all grew up with have one bad outing. Uh, God forbid. That's all I'm saying. So I'm excited for the Benioff and Weiss thing, especially if they're doing this route, doing the full treatment, beginning and middle end. I'm all for it. And like I said, this lends credence to what I said earlier about Disney learning from its mistakes and listening to the fans. I'm very excited about this. And I hope you guys are too. Let me know in the comments below. I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts. All right, with all the news out of the way, let's talk about some book reviews. I know I I, uh, I haven't really done a lot of book reviews lately, uh, and it's mainly because I've been busy with the Grain Elevator and getting some other things done. And, you know, for those of you that don't know, uh, my first youngin's on the way, so we've been doing a lot of stuff that has to do with that. But uh, I finally have gotten around to finishing a couple of novels that I wanted to talk to you guys about for a little bit. I'm about halfway through Thrawn right now. So keep an eye out for that review. It's coming very soon. I'm loving it so far. I'm just over halfway through. I'm absolutely loving this book so far. Uh, but first, I want to talk about Master and Apprentice by Claudia Gray. This is a book that I was extremely excited for. I was looking forward to this book so much. Especially after Claudia wrote the short story by the same name in the group of short stories for the 40th anniversary of the From a Certain Point of View stories. This is an Obi-Wan Qui-Gon book. Uh, it's mainly a Qui-Gon Jinn novel. And this is the first novel to take place in the new canon pre-Phantom Menace, before the events of Episode 1. And it's about, I think it's like eight years before Episode 1. Uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi is 17 years old in this movie. Uh, he and Qui-Gon have been together, I think, for two years at this point, I think is what it said uh, in the book. Uh, I like this novel quite a bit. It's obviously Claudia Gray. She's the queen of Star Wars canon as far as I'm concerned. Her and Timothy Zahn are the king and queen. That's it. So, uh, and, and anybody who's been watching knows that all three of Claudia Gray's other novels are my top three novels in the Star Wars canon. Loved all three of them. I did like this book quite a bit. But it is my least favorite Claudia Gray novel that she's written. Uh, I did enjoy it quite a bit. The first half of it was a little slow for me. There were a couple of nuggets in there with Jedi prophecy that was going on to get dropped. Stuff about the Chosen One. Some other prophecies that happen where you're like, is that talking about Leia and Kylo? Like, there's there's other things that make, that make you think, right? Uh, so it's it's kind of slow at first. But halfway through, man, it picks up and it runs. It goes and it goes and it goes. And it just took me a little bit of time to get to that point. And once I hit that point, it took off. Uh, at the beginning of this book, the main basis of the story is that Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan are having kind of a hard time connecting. Mainly because there's such different types of Jedi. Obi-Wan's a very by-the-book, follows the, the, you know, the rules of the council, all this other stuff. Qui-Gon is very, you know, quite the opposite. Throws the rule book out the window, screw the Jedi council, stuff like that. So they... They butt heads quite a bit. And Qui-Gon is trying to come up with a way. Well, I shouldn't say trying to come up with a way. He's starting to worry that he's going to lose Obi-Wan as an apprentice. And maybe that would be the best thing for Obi-Wan. And he receives an invitation from the Jedi Council to sit on the Council. And the Council kind of sees it as killing two birds with one stone. Kind of Qui-Gon coming onto the Council. And because he'll be on the Council, he can't have a Padawan. So they'd have to transfer Obi-Wan to somebody else. And Qui-Gon says, you know, I'll think about it. Then they go on this mission together. 
I'm not going to ruin anything for it, but that, that's kind of where it goes. He doesn't tell Obi-Wan, and Obi-Wan finds out on his own. And then that causes this point of contention between the two throughout the rest of the book that they have to overcome to actually become Master and Apprentice, the way we see them in Episode 1. It's no spoiler they stay together. We've seen Episode 1. We know how it goes. But when this book takes off, it is awesome. And then when you see how they actually do bond, absolutely great. Another thing that this book does is it has these preludes in it, right? They started doing these in Aftermath, and they worked best so far out of everything. They worked best in Aftermath. Uh, but these were interesting too, and I don't. These were kind of a time jump, also, which they started with Last Shot, which Last Shot was pretty low on the list for me. If you guys watched the novel ranking video, you know what I'm talking about. But that book was all over the place with time jumps between like three different time periods. Boom, 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 boom. I mean, just all over the place. Thrawn Alliances did it a little bit, but it wasn't as hard to keep track of because it was between Thrawn and Anakin and Thrawn and Vader. So those two kind of, it was easy to tell. This one just simply goes back in time a little ways and shows Qui-Gon as the apprentice of Count Dooku. Now, one thing I did learn from this book is that I always thought Dooku left the Order after the events of Episode 1. I was wrong. At least, maybe I was wrong. I never really read that much into the EU with Dooku. If I'm wrong about that, let me know. I'd like to, I'd like to hear about that. Um, but in the canon now, Dooku left the order. He was, he'd already left by the time this novel's happening. So eight years pre Phantom Menace. But when it cuts back to when Qui-Gon was an apprentice, you start to see how Qui-Gon and Dooku got along. Uh, and you start to see a little bit of the slip into the dark side with Dooku. And it's actually a blast to read. Like one of the scenes where Dooku really starts to go dark is like, I got chills reading it. I was like, Oh my God. So, this is a really fun book to read once you really get into it, at least for me, once I got into it. Um, it I, by the time the book was over, I was very satisfied with where Qui-Gon and Obi-Wan's relationship was, you know, where their points of contention kind of faded, what they had in common, what they didn't have in common anymore. Like, it's it, it was a lot of fun to read. And the epilogue of this book, if you guys have read Claudia Gray's book, Leia, Princess of Alderaan, then you know the last line of that book is a gut punch to whatever set of genitalia you have it hurts to read that last line the entire epilogue of this novel is the same way it's not just a one-liner like it was in leia this is an entire epilogue and it hurts to read it's hard but it is so good and, and don't get me wrong now i'm not going to say that this novel is i'm not going to say it's in the top four with the rest of the claudia novels I'm going to say top 15. I'm going to say top 15 novels, which out of 40-some-odd novels isn't bad still. Take that into consideration. Top 15 for me, it was a lot of fun to read, but there's a lot of other novels that were more fun to read. There were some that were a lot harder to get through than this one, but this, one's a, this one kind of has that balance. So if you're looking forward to reading it, I definitely say go check it out. Definitely go pick it up. You're, I don't think you're going to be... Uh, I don't think you're going to be disappointed in it. So take that as you will. The other novel I wanted to talk about for a minute that I just finished uh, about a week and a half ago, two weeks ago, is Star Wars Alphabet Squadron by uh, Alexander Freed. This book is uh, something else. It's, <laughs> it's the start of a trilogy. They're doing a trilogy of these books. Uh, I'm trying to think of where I should start with this. Uh, it's it's a little low on the ranking list for me. 
Uh, it takes place after Return of the Jedi, but before the Aftermath trilogy kind of picks up. Uh, and it starts really slow. And I mean, it drags for a while. Now, keep in mind, this is the start of a trilogy the same way the first Aftermath book was. And it was a little slow at the same time, introducing all the characters, kind of setting up where the rest of the trilogy is going to go. That's what this book was doing. And you can tell. Like, it, it was really hard to kind of get through. Uh, Alexander Freed, I feel, went out of his way to purposefully, and when I tell you purposefully, I can back it up, purposefully come up with the most bizarre, hard-to-pronounce, out-there names I've ever heard of in my life. I don't know why. It actually turned into a game while I was reading this book. Uh, there would be times I was sitting in the same room as Kirsty, and I was reading the first couple of chapters of this, and every time somebody was introduced with a name, I would be like, babe, check this one out. And I would try to pronounce the name. I would just show it to her in the book, and she would try to pronounce it. Some of them, you can kind of figure out the way they're pronounced. Others, Jesus Christ. I've got a couple of them as an example here I can I can uh, lay out for you. And this is just the tip of the iceberg. There are some that are actually harder to pronounce than this, but I couldn't find them in the book up there. But they're... they're really hard to pronounce. The main characters in this book, like Karen Adon, I'm assuming is how you say it. Karen, Karen, C-A-E-R-N. Uh, Erica Quell is the main character in this book. Uh, Kairos, Kairos, I don't know. Uh, Will Lark, Nath Tencent. And then the one that really got me is Chas Nachotic. Chas Nachotic. When I'm reading a novel, if I come to a word or a name, I should say, a name that I cannot pronounce, it takes me out of the book for a minute. Because when I read, I have to read every single word. Kind of like when I'm watching a movie. I can't sit and have a conversation with somebody while the movie's playing if I'm watching the movie. I have to. I'm watching the movie, right? So when I'm reading a book, I'm reading a book. And when I get to a name I can't pronounce and I have to stop and slowly pronounce it, it takes me out of the story. When you're reading, you're you're picturing all this going on in your head. And, you know, for me, I try to picture it like a Star Wars movie playing in my head while I'm reading it. And maybe sometimes there's music playing in my head. I know I'm weird. Don't judge me. But when it comes to a name like Chasna Chodic that doesn't really roll off the tongue. And there were others that were worse. Believe me, there were others that were worse. If you've read the book, you know what I'm talking about. It takes you out for things. You have to stop and, like, work your way through the name and then keep on going. And the reason I say it seems like he did it on purpose because every single name in this book was something you had to stop and look at it for a second and go, okay. But, I mean, besides that, the book is mainly about Alphabet Squadron, obviously. Uh, Alphabet Squadron is made up of uh, X-Wing Fighter, Y-Wing, A-Wing, B-Wing, and E-Wing. Those five. And to build a squadron out of five different ships like that with five different combat capabilities is really hard. And you see that through this book. This book was mainly this squadron learning to be a squadron together instead of being on their own. You know what I mean? Learning how to work together. Every single one of them had their own personal reasons why they were after uh, this TIE squadron called Shadow Wing. And that's the whole reason Alphabet Squadron was put together with these people with a vendetta was to go out, sniff out Shadow Wing and take them out. Uh, I'm not really big into starfighter combat and books, 
I, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's hard for me to kind of picture a lot of this stuff going on in my head. But this one was all right. Once you get into some of the space battles, it was a little, it was, it was quite a bit of fun to read. There was one part in this book toward the beginning that stood out to me. Uh, and, and this isn't no big spoiler in the book or anything like that. There's a point in this book, pretty close to the beginning, before Alphabet Squadron's ever formed, where Will Lark, he's the A-Wing pilot in this book, he's still with his old squadron before he goes to join Alphabet Squadron. Their main frigate has been damaged. They're being chased by the Empire. The Imperial frigate has been damaged. And their TIE fighters, Shadow Wing, are hovering around their ship protecting it. And the A-Wing squadron is hovering around their ship protecting it. And they're out there for hours in, in a standstill in this nebula. And Will decides, just on a whim, to open up an unencrypted broadcast towards Shadow Wing to try to talk to some of the pilots. Just like just because they're pilots, that's something they have in common. And he puts a message out there and he doesn't get a reply until like an hour later. And one of the TIE fighter pilots comes back and starts talking to him. Pilot to pilot. And for for a minute you think they're forgetting all about, you know, New Republic remnant of the Empire. You you think for a minute they completely forget about that. And the Imperial pilot's talking about the nebula they're in and the kind of the history of it and kind of the religion behind it for some of the indigenous species. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he just comes over the radio and says, you know, you're going to rot out here. I'm going to make sure you die out here. You're going to rot out here. And it, and it made the way it was written made the hair stand up on my arm like while I was reading because it, it just switched. And it was really, really eerie to hear. And and it was I tried to put myself in that situation hearing something like that. And it, it gave me bone chills. So some of the writing in this book is fantastic. Some of it is it's all right. Uh, but the main point of the story, like I said, Erica Quell is the main, the main character in it. She's kind of the one forming Shadow Squadron. She's an Imperial defector. And uh, Karen Adon, who is with uh, New Republic Intelligence, comes in and busts her out of this outpost that the New Republic has called Traitor's Remorse, where a lot of defectors go to kind of reform and become New Republic. So uh, this, is, this is kind of a fun one to read if you're really into Starfighter combat. Uh, but you can definitely tell that this is the beginning of a trilogy. So uh, take that as you will. It's I'm, I'm hoping that the next two books are better. I'm hoping now that we've got the characters established, when we get into book two, we can just take off with the story and go. Kind of like what we did in Life Debt with the Aftermath trilogy. So we'll see. Uh, but guys, if you've read the book, let me know in the comment section below. What did you think of it? Did you love it? Did you hate it? Are you looking forward to it? Are you not looking forward to it? Is it one you're going to read? Is it one you're not going to read? I want to hear your guys' thoughts. Let me know. I'd love to hear it. I'm going to take a real quick break, guys. I'll be right back. This is John Jackson Miller, and you're listening to the Star Wars Canon Podcast. May the Force be with you. All right, everybody, let's get into some mailbag questions. How do you guys get a question on the Star Wars Canon Podcast? You can email it to me at starwarscanonlibrary at gmail.com, or if you're listening to me on the Anchor app or on anchor.fm, uh, you can send me a voice message. Uh, I'm sorry, a voice message uh, through that app or through that website. You might be able to hear yourself on the podcast. So uh, keep that in mind. I've got five mailbag questions lined up for this week. Let's get into this, shall we? Question number one this week comes from Greg Cross, and Greg says, "Brian, where have you been? There's so much to talk about. I look forward to your return. What's the deal with this theory that Ray is Shmi Skywalker?" Personally, I hope it's not true, but I'd love to hear your thoughts on the matter. Love the channel, and as always, may the Force be with you. 
Thanks for the question, Greg. And it's a good question. And it's one that I didn't know what you were talking about until I, I didn't know about this until you sent the uh, email in and I started digging. This is a serious theory that's out there right now. This is one that a lot of people are buying into. And the more I read it, the more I hated it. The more I hope this doesn't happen. For those of you that don't know, which I don't know how many of you out there don't know about this at this point. I could be really late to the train on this one. This Ray is Shmi Skywalker theory goes as follows. And there's quite a bit to actually back it up if you really want to stretch. The theory is that the Emperor in The Rise of Skywalker is actually a younger version of the Emperor from like 10 or 15 years before The Phantom Menace. And that he travels, for some reason, 75 years into the future, 80 years into the future, and he senses the most powerful force being ever, Rey. Okay, whatever. And he kidnaps her in The Rise of Skywalker, and he takes her back to the past. Now, I'm sure you're probably wondering, how is he time-traveling? Through the world between worlds that we were introduced to in Rebels season what, four. That is the the conduit, the MacGuffin to this theory, if you will. And that the Emperor takes Ray back to his time period before the Phantom Menace. She escapes, cuts herself off from the force the same way Luke did, so that the Emperor cannot find her, or so that Palpatine can't find her. She takes the name Shmi Skywalker. Why would you take Skywalker's name if you're trying to keep the, you know, Palpatine from finding you? And has a son on Tatooine named, you guessed it, Anakin Skywalker. Um, there's a little bit that kind of backs this up if you really want to stretch. Kevin Smith was on set of episode nine. He said that the final shot of the movie is going to melt your mind. I don't know about you, but it would melt my mind, not in a good way, for the final shot of Episode Nine to be Ray Shmi standing on Tatooine watching the twin sunsets go down with a baby bump, knowing that that's Anakin. No, no, because that's that mean that will look. That's what this would do to Star Wars, right? Episode Nine is supposed to be the end of the Skywalker saga, so Episode One is going to be like a pseudo reboot sequel to episode nine like you can watch one two three four five six seven eight nine go back and watch episode one two three four five six seven eight nine again in this like infinite time loop no man don't do something like that please for the love of god don't do something like that some of the other things that they are saying kind of backs this up is the title for the movie the rise of skywalker so at the end of the movie it would be you know the conception of Anakin Skywalker, the start of the Skywalker bloodline. I don't know, but there's this theory going around the way she's dressed, the fact that she picked another desert planet, Tatooine, the way Jakku was a desert planet. There's, I look, kudos to whoever came up with this for creativity, for putting it all together. It, it's it's a good theory. I mean, it, I want to say it's a good theory. It's It's got all the makings of a good theory. That's what I'm going to say. It's got all the makings of a good theory. But I'm hoping to Christ this is not true. Because, um, I mean, it's just, why would you take Ray, right? Who is this character that, like I said earlier, is a role model for little girls now in Star Wars. And just, I mean, she's this, you know, I don't, I don't want I use the term badass loosely at this point. A badass Jedi, quote unquote. 
Uh, you can fight me on that all you want. I probably deserve it. Uh, she's a badass Jedi at this point. And then you're just going to kill her off on Tatooine by a bunch of Tusken Raiders? Like, that doesn't seem like it's going to really mesh well with the fans. And I'm not going to lie. That would piss me off. I, I would be completely pissed off with the way the sequel trilogy went. That would that would be the end of it for me for the sequel. I would be thank God that's over. Let's move on and see what the future holds. That would piss me off. So that's the theory for those of you that don't know. I I I don't want this to happen. This is not. It's not going to happen. That's not going to be the way this ends. But it kind of makes a fellow wonder, don't it? Like it's it's like I said, all the makings of a good theory there. Guys, let me know what you think of this theory. I'm not a big fan of it. Hopefully, a lot of you guys aren't either. But is there something to it? I mean, is it something that are, are you guys seeing maybe some more evidence that leans towards it that I'm not seeing? Are you seeing some stuff that might counteract it and keep it from happening? Let me know. I want to hear your guys' thoughts on this. Start the conversation down below. I want to hear your guys' thoughts. But thanks for the question, Greg. I do appreciate it. Great question. On to question number two this week. Question number two this week comes from Michelle Woods. And Michelle says, hey, Brian, I can't wait for your podcast to come back. I love your channel and show and only listen to you and Jedi Council. Keep up the great work. Thank you very much for that. I do appreciate that. Uh, I was watching Interstellar the other day, and it got me thinking, is there anything in the new canon that describes how light speed physics work in the Star Wars universe? Thanks for the question, Michelle. Uh, there's a couple of little references that kind of deal with the with the subject, but nothing that just comes right out and explains how it works. Let's say, for argument's sake, because we don't know what the the laws of physics are in the Star Wars galaxy. You're talking about a galaxy that has, you know, faster than light travel, lightsabers, blasters, right? The Force. So let's let's assume just for now that the physics, the laws of physics are the same in the Star Wars galaxy as they are for our universe, for for reality, right? And for some of you, Star Wars might be our reality. I'm not knocking you. But anyway, so in Star Wars, it, hyperspace is also called faster than light travel. So to f travel faster than light would mean that time for you is working differently than what it is outside of the hyperspace tunnel. I could be wrong on this, but my assumption has always been that when you activate your hyperdrive, right, and we see the ships shoot off into space, my assumption has always been, and I could be wrong, you guys let me know what you think, that when the ship disappears from where you're at, it instantly reappears where it's coming out of hyperspace. But for the people on the ship, they're traveling for hour and a half, two hours, right? That was always my assumption. I think there was even a theory that was going around a while about a while back about that explaining why Leia even though she was like a minute younger than Luke looked older than Luke in A New Hope and it was because she was on all these ships going through hyperspace her whole life and she was gaining more time on Luke who was just stuck on Tatooine it kind of kind of makes a little bit of sense but if you look at the the physics in our universe right me and Kirsty are nerds if you hadn't figured it out so when we fall asleep at night, we always put on documentaries on YouTube or, you know, something about faster than light travel or the beginning of the universe or time travel or something weird, right, just to fall asleep to. And we watch a lot of documentaries on faster than light travel and physics and quantum physics and stuff like that. So when you travel faster than the speed of light in our set of physics laws, time slows down for everybody else. 
for you, it keeps it's going normally, right? Where it slows down for you. Hell, let me think for a second. I think it slows down for you, but it goes faster outside. So I would assume that when you shoot through hyperspace, you're just popping back in where you were. Faster than light's impossible. It's it's physically impossible to travel faster than the speed of light. It's not even possible to travel the speed of light because it would take an infinite amount of fuel that wouldn't be able to fit into the known universe to propel you to the speed of, you know, faster than light. Whatever. There was a reference to something along those lines in Bloodline. And we know Bloodline is, you know, 20, well, I want to say like 25 years after Return of the Jedi. So we're going to say close to 30 years after A New Hope, after the destruction of Alderaan. Close to 30 years, give or take. There's a point in that book where Leia is on another planet. I don't remember what planet it is. It might be Harloff Minor. I'm not positive. I think they're on Harloff Minor. And they look out into space. She's with somebody else. They look off into space. And there's a star. And she says, do you see that star? And and the person she's with says, yes. And she says, that's Alderaan. And they're like, well, we th- I thought Alderaan was destroyed. And she goes, it was. But the light hasn't gotten here yet. It's still traveling. The light of the planet still being there is still traveling here. Eventually, you'll see the explosion in the night sky of the destruction of Alderaan. But the further away from Alderaan I get, the closer I feel to it. Because I can see it again. So it's one of those weird things where... Obviously, the speed of light, the, the light physics are the same in their universe as it is in ours, right? And in, in this fictional universe. So that's the only answer I have for you is that, that, I mean, that's the only time it's ever really been touched on. It's the only time it's really been uh, talked about, specifically talked about. Uh, Alphabet Squadron, the novel, does refer to hyperspace as uh, uh, a different reality, Kind of, not in so many words, but it's essentially a different reality as you're entering into hyperspace, you're leaving the universe as you know it and entering into this other universe of hyperspace and then you're popping out of it. I could be completely off base here. What do you guys think? What do you think the physics of the Star Wars galaxy and faster than light travel is? I would love to hear your guys' thoughts. That's a very thought-provoking question and it's a great conversation to have because there's, I mean, maybe I'm missing some evidence somewhere that backs it up one way or the other maybe you guys are are seeing it let me know i want to hear you guys' thoughts on that on to question number three question number three this week comes from jeff reynolds and jeff says i just saw that disney plus isn't releasing the entire first season of the mandalorian on day one is this true i was hoping to binge watch the entire season if this is true why do you think disney made this decision can't wait for your show to return keep up the awesome work brother thank you so much Uh, And there's actually two answers to this. I have two ideas as to why they do this. I'll give you the uh, least likely of the two first, and then I'll give you the most likely, in my opinion. The least likely of the two, in my opinion, is that they want to build anticipation each week for the next episode. Make an event out of it, get you ready for it. You know, you watch the first episode, oh my god, I can't wait until next week when the next episode comes out. Because it's going to be, what, ten episodes? I mean, that's 10 weeks worth of, oh my God, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait, I can't wait. And then by the time that's over, Clone Wars is going to be picking up in February. So it's going to be, oh my God, I can't wait to watch Clone Wars each, hopefully not each week, but it's, that's, I mean, that's the way I see it going. It's, the way I would like to look at it is that they're hoping that the fans build up anticipation to watch each episode. In reality, though, this is kind of where I'm being uh, uh, cynical. And, and kind of giving Disney that look again like, really? 
uh, I feel like they're doing it so that you won't just buy one month's worth of Disney Plus, binge watch everything, and then cancel your subscription. At least this way they get two and a half, three months worth of subscription fees out of you before you're like, ah, well, I'm done. Because by the time Mandalorian comes to an end for season one, Clone Wars is going to be picking up. That's going to be another two and a half, three months that you, of, of subscription fees they're getting out of you. You know what I mean? I mean, that's five, six months worth of Star Wars content right there that Star Wars fans are going to fork out $7 every month to keep watching it. Think about how much extra money that is. Seven times six months, that's 42 what, $42 worth? $42 to watch all of Season 1 of Mandalorian and all of Season 7 of Clone Wars. When in reality, if they just dropped it all on there, $7 this month, $7 that month to watch everything. $14, $42. You do the math. Okay, I mean, that's, that's honestly, that's a business decision. And it's, I hate to say it, it's fucking genius. They're a genius for coming up with that. I mean, nobody else is going to come up, I mean, realize what's going on until they start paying their bill and they go, wait a second, I'm not, I've had to pay this three months just to watch the first season of Mandalorian. Because what you said right there in your, in your question, I was hoping to binge watch the entire season. There were, I mean, I guarantee had they dropped it all on there, there'd be people that sat down and watched all 10 episodes and said, well, I'm not paying my next month. And then when Clone Wars came along, hey, you know what? I'm going to pay for a month of Disney Plus and then I'm going to watch all the Clone Wars. And I'm going to shut it off again. You know what I mean? That's exactly what it's going to. Obi-Wan's coming out. Let's pay for it for a month and watch all of Obi-Wan. Boom. Shut it off. Disney's not going to make any money off of that. If people are just buying it a month at a time. That ain't going to happen. They're already putting out deals for, you know, if you buy two years in advance at 70 bucks a year, you get the third year free. I'm really tempted to do that, by the way. I'm getting Disney Plus anyway. I don't know. I'm not complaining. I'm going to be paying for it every month anyway. I got a youngin on the way. Disney Plus is exactly the kind of thing I need for a kid in my life, right? So I, I, I'm assuming and I'm willing to bet a lot of money. I'm willing to bet a lot of money that it has to do with not wanting people to just pay for it for a month, watch everything, and then cancel it. So, uh, do you guys agree? Do you disagree? I mean, that's. I mean, I, I hate to be the cynic. I hate to be cynical when it comes to Disney, but that's the way. That's the vibe I'm getting. That's exactly what I'm seeing. So I don't know. Let me know what you guys think. Question number four this week comes from Eric Barber, and Eric writes, uh, "I'm sure you've covered this before on your channel, but since I'm new here, I'll throw the topic out there just in case." Welcome to the Star Wars Canon Podcast, brother. I do appreciate you coming along. Uh, when are we going to get more material between episodes 6 and 7? That's the time period most of us really care about right now, and I'm dying to see it. Plus, what do you think Star Wars has in store for us in the future? Thanks for the question, Eric. Uh, yes, I have, I've gone over this a couple times, actually, on the channel. Uh, but I'll go over it again for you. It's, it's no big deal, and it's going to be the same answer I give every time. Uh, next year. We're going to get more content between 6 and 7 next year. Now, now don't... Don't... Get me wrong, there's already a lot of content. I don't want to say a lot. There's quite a bit of content between episodes six and seven already. You know, we've got the entire Aftermath trilogy of novels. We've got Alphabet Squadron, Last Shot, The Legends of Luke Skywalker, Bloodline, Phasma, uh, some short stories with some aliens before The Awakening. There's a lot there. However, it only goes to a certain point where there's still like this 15, 20 year gap that's not being covered. And I'm assuming that's the gap you're talking about. Uh, one of the biggest things people have always talked about is, or that has has asked uh, on on this podcast is why it, why is this new canon different? What makes it different from 
the EU. And the EU novels, a lot of them were Han Luke Leia novels. A lot of them were, I mean, look at the uh, Heir to the Empire trilogy, the Thrawn trilogy. That was essentially the continuation of Star Wars with the big three, with a new villain. You, you know what I mean? And, and that was a lot. Of, it was either surrounding those three or their kids. And that was essentially it. Marriage Aid. You know, I mean, just all these other stories that are all these other characters that were heavily, you know, rooted with the classic trilogy. We don't have that in the new canon. We don't have a, we don't have any Han Luke Leia stories. We have some Han and Land. We have a Han and Landa story. We have a Leia story. You know, we don't have any. We have a, a couple of Luke stories. We don't even know if they're true. There's not a lot of Luke stuff, and I would love to see some Han Luke Leia stuff. But I'm going back, and I'm going to say that the, uh, the, the uh, I'm going to say about February, March next year. Here in the next three or four months, you might start hearing some announcements about some books coming out. The main reason I say that is I still fully believe that Thrawn is instrumental in the rise of the First Order. I'm, I'm, I'm convinced of that at this point. The last time, and, and spoiler alert, the, the last time we saw Thrawn outside of the novels was in Rebels when him and Ezra shot off into hyperspace with the weird hyperspace whales, right? And that, I mean, that was it. Timothy Zahn has come out and said, hey, I've got an idea for a fourth book, and I want it to be the Ezra Thrawn story. We just got the third Thrawn book. We get a Thrawn book every year about the same time. And it looks like next year, if everything stays in line, we're going to get that story right about the time I'm saying we're going to be getting stuff between six and seven. I think once episode nine comes out, you're going to see a slew of stuff. I think once episode nine comes out and you know the whole story of seven, eight, nine, I think that's when they're going to go back and talk about, okay, well, now this is how we got there. This is, you know, where Snoke came from. We're getting a Snoke comic. We're starting to slowly get the history of Snoke. So I think we're going to get some Snoke stuff. We're going to get, you know, the story of, of Luke's Jedi Temple being destroyed again, the fall of Kylo Ren, all this other stuff. We're going to get all these other stories. And I'm very, very excited about it. I'm extremely excited. So if you can hold off just until next year, and I can see the announcements coming in as early as February next year. Once the dust settles in Episode Nine, once everybody has seen it, I think that's when you're going to really start to see some more stuff. The second part of your question, what do you think Star Wars has in store for us in the future, has a lot to do with everything I just said. I think because of the gap we have between Episodes 9 and then whatever the Benioff and Weiss trilogy is going to be. Let's just assume that it's going to be Old Republic, okay, for, for the sake of this conversation. Episode 9 comes out. We're going to have, uh, what, two years there? Two, three years there before the next film comes out. Three years before the next film comes out to where we can really fill in and flesh out this entire... I don't know if you guys know this or not. I got all my books up here on the shelf, uh, on, on like this V-shelf. They're going to flesh out this entire timeline. Everything's going to be filled in. Everything between 6 and 7, 5 and 6, everything is going to be fleshed in. And I think they're going to take those three years and they're really going to hit that hard and, and fill out everything between the beginning of the timeline, which is actually Jedi... or it's Dooku Jedi Fallen, the audiobook, is actually the beginning. I think they're going to fill in everything from there all the way up to the end of The Rise of Skywalker. That's going to be its own timeline period. That I mean, that that's everything that happened in this 60-year period, 70-year period. This is it. And then when the Benioff and Weiss trilogy starts, and let's, like I said, let's say it's Old Republic, 
I think that's when they're going to start saying, okay, here's a new set of characters, a new face of Star Wars. The Skywalkers are gone. It's not about the Skywalkers anymore. That's all said, done in the past. That's a complete chapter in the timeline, book closed. That's it. This is the new Star Wars. It's Old Republic. These are your new characters. Let's build a new universe around these characters. Let's write books about them. Let's do comics about them. Let's do some video games that take place in the Old Republic with these characters. They're going to start their entire own timeline from scratch, unlike what they've been able to do with the classic stuff. Because the other movies were already there. They had to build off of that. Now they can sit down and world build like a bitch. So once we get through Episode Nine and we get up toward the Benioff and Weiss trilogy, you're going to see a shift in Star Wars. And it's not going to be your daddy's Star Wars anymore. This is going to be a new... I don't want to say generation because that's so cliche. It's going to be a new breed of Star Wars. It's going to be an entirely new... Almost an entirely new universe. It's going to be the same universe, don't worry. But it's going to, it's going to feel like an entirely different universe. With the politics that are going on and the wars and the Sith. And I mean, it might be getting Revan. Like, all this other stuff's going to be happening. I think that's what Star Wars has in future for us. I think that's what, what it has in store for us in the future. I really do. I think uh, two years from now, we're going to be having an entirely different conversation when it comes to Star Wars. Three years from now, we're going to have an entirely different conversation about Star Wars. Everything's going to be different. We're going to be having new characters that we love. We're going to have new characters that we hate. We're going to have directors that we love. We're going to have directors that we hate. We're going to have stories that we love, books that suck like Heir to the Jedi. I mean, all these other, it's, it's going to be ground up. Here we go. Start back at day one. Let's do this again. That's what it's going to be. So I hope that answers your question. What do you guys think? What do you think the future of Star Wars is going to look like? And try to keep it civil. I know I keep saying that during this podcast, but I know people like to argue a lot. So try to keep it civil. I know some of you hate Disney. Some of you love Disney. If you hate Disney Star Wars, I don't even know why you're listening to this podcast in the first place. But that's none of my business. But just try to keep it civil. So thanks for the question, Eric. I do appreciate it. And the last question I've got lined up for you guys for this week comes from Jamie Holbeach a very loyal follower of the Star Wars Canon podcast. Jamie says, Hey, Brian, eagerly looking forward to the podcast's return. Uh, One question I've been meaning to ask before The Clone Wars Season 7 is about Darth Bane. You've come to the right place, man. Darth Bane is my favorite EU character, and actually canon character, even though we don't know anything about him yet. When Darth uh, Darth Bane appeared in The Clone Wars, was he a Force ghost or was he something else? Because I thought Dark Side users can't become force ghosts, but I've not read all the canon material yet. Thanks in advance. Thanks for the question, Jamie. All right, so there's a little bit to unpack with this. Let's start at the beginning, right back. So Clone Wars came out before Disney did the whole canon wipe, right? Uh, That came out in a time where it was the EU was kind of the, I don't want to say canon, because George Lucas never really considered it canon. If he did, the Clone Wars wouldn't have been what they were. Uh, But... Darth Bane is canon. Yoda knew who he was when he saw his ghost, his vision of it. I think that's all it was, was a vision. I don't think that was actually Darth Bane's ghost, which ironically, a little trivia fact, he was voiced by Mark Hamill, by the way. Mark Hamill's also Darth Bane. I don't think that was actually the Darth Bane. I don't want to say that it's not possible for a dark side user to come back as a Force ghost. Because if you want to look at the old EU, right? You look at the old games like the uh, Dark Forces games. You get to the fourth game in that series. It was uh, Jedi Knight, Jedi Academy. At the end of that game, Marco Ragnos comes back as a Force ghost. He was a Sith Lord. He came back. That was that game was considered canon in the EU. So 
I, I, I'm guessing dark side users could come back. I don't know. You know, even in Knights of the Old Republic, there were uh, there were times where Sith Lords ghosts and spirits would pop up. So I, I don't know exactly the rules on Dark Side Force Ghosts. As far as the new canon goes, the only people that know how to come back as Force Ghosts, the, the first person to figure out was Qui-Gon Jinn. So Qui-Gon knows, Yoda and Obi-Wan, Anakin, and Luke. Those five are the only five that know how to come back as a Force Ghost that I know of as of now. So what he was, what Darth Bane was when he popped up in the Clone Wars, I'm assuming was just a vision from those uh, creatures. I don't even remember what they were called. It was like the last few episodes of Clone Wars in season six. It was all Yoda-centric stuff. And he was going on this uh, quest to try to figure out how to retain his immortality or his individuality after becoming one with the Force, learning how to become Force Ghost. And I think that was just a test. I'm, I don't want to say it was actually a Force Ghost. Because if it was, that destroys everything we know about everything so far concerning this. So if they come out tomorrow and say that actually was Darth Bane, I'm going to lose my mind. Because even if that wasn't Darth Bane, he's still canon. Yoda knew who he was. He said, created the rule of two, you did. That's my favorite trilogy of EU novels. I've got him on the shelf. I, I absolutely love that trilogy. If you haven't read it, do yourself a favor. Holy crap. But if they come out and say, yeah, that was actually him, I'm going to lose my mind. I'm going to die. So uh, it's a good question. And and like I said, as of now, the only people who know that I come back are, are those five. So we're going to have to wait and see. We might learn something new in Episode 9 when it comes out. The Rise of Skywalker might change everything we know about Force Ghosts. It very well could. I mean, after seeing the way they ended Endgame, Avengers Endgame, and some of the stuff they pulled, I mean, they didn't, they didn't pull any punches with that movie. By the time, some of the references they made, I'm, I've got high hopes for episode nine. I've got high hopes for episode nine. I think this is going to be the, I don't want to say it's going to be the best Star Wars movie ever. I'm not, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I think this is going to be the most epic Star Wars movie we've ever seen. And I think we're going to learn a lot of new stuff in it. And I'm willing to bet with not pulling any punches, I'm willing to bet you're going to see Yoda again. You're going to see Luke's Force Ghost, obviously. I guarantee you're going to see Obi-Wan, and I'm willing to bet a truckload of money that you're going to see Anakin's Force Ghost. I'm, 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 and it's going to be Hayden Christensen. I'm willing to bet a truckload of money on that, that you're going to see all of them. Every single one of them is going to make an appearance. I, I don't want to say Qui-Gon, though. Qui-Gon may not make an appearance, but it's definitely going to be the other, it's going to be the three, and plus Luke, the three from the end of Return of the Jedi plus Luke. Guarantee it. So uh, it's a good question, though. Hopefully time will tell, and uh, we'll find out later on down the road. All right, guys, and I think that's going to do it for this episode of the Star Wars Canon Podcast. Thank you, guys and gals, for tuning in this week. I sure appreciate it. If you're new to the podcast and you like what you hear, be sure to give me a follow on whatever app or site you're listening in on. Check out the YouTube channel if you're listening on one of the podcast sites for upcoming reviews, interviews, uh, reaction videos. Check out the Facebook page to stay up to date on what's going on with the Star Wars Canon Podcast. Be sure to check out the Patreon account as well if you'd like to help support the Canon Podcast. Uh, if you'd like to get a question on the podcast, you can send it in to starwarscanonlibrary at gmail.com. Uh, or if you have the Anchor app, you can record a message and send it to me that way. Who knows? You might get to hear yourself on next week's show. All those links can be found in the description of this episode. Like I said, thank you so much for tuning in. And as always, may the Force be with you.